0: Thanks for listening to the Lunch and Learn with Dr. Barry. Here to help educate, motivate, and put you on the right path to take control of your health through weekly discussions on topics in the medical field, public health arena, and in your community. And now your host, Dr. Barry. What's up, everybody? You are now listening to the Lunch and Learn with Dr. Barry. I'm your host, Dr. Barry Pierre, favorite board-certified internist, founder of DrPierre'sBlog.com, and the host of the number one podcast for patient advocacy, helping you empower yourself for better health. This week, we bring you episode 79. And I ask a question, right? And really, I kind of go into detail about this recent report from Medscape, which unless you're really in the medical field, you're not really... Familiar with this organization, but it's they did a survey, right? They surveyed some residents and they asked what were some of the biggest issues they were facing today, right? So, we're going to be talking about this survey, we're going to be talking about lifestyle and happiness associated with residency, and what some of your future doctors are kind of dealing with right now, and how that may look out for you when they become your actual doctors, quote unquote, right? And, I, and I hate to say actual doctors, right? Because honestly, the second you graduate medical school, you are a physician, right? You may not be board certified, but you are a physician. And we're going to be talking about what to expect in the future with some of the issues that they're dealing with today, right? Because that's important, right? I always joke with my patients, right? But if you have an an a-hole physician, right? That person didn't just become an a-hole because they became a doctor. No, like they were likely a-holes during medical school. They were likely a-holes, and again, we're trying to keep a future 13 on the podcast, right? Uh, they were likely a-holes as a pre-medical student. They are probably a-holes even when in high school, right? Like, it, that isn't a trait that you get when you become a physician, right? Like, if you're a terrible person, you're likely going to be a terrible person who just happens to be a physician, right? So, we're going to talk, we're going to go into some detail on some of the biggest issues residents are facing today, And what that means for you uh, in the future. Like always, uh, please, if you want my show notes, head over to DrPierresBot.com forward slash LLP079 or LunchLearnPod.com and you'll get the show notes for all of uh, the podcast episodes. So you guys have a great and blessed day. And uh, before we get get out of here, of course, you know, I like to uh, read some of our five-star reviews. Again, keep them coming. It's been absolutely amazing, the feedback that we've been getting Uh, From you guys, right? So, username Leaf of Life says that the podcast is informative, empowering. Uh, with educated health sermons that are not taught on Sunday mornings, right? Absolutely love it. Like I said, keep keep, keep bringing those five-star reviews coming, and I will keep shouting you guys out. Uh, your support is much appreciated. So uh, sit back. Let's get ready for another amazing episode here on The Lunch and Learn with Dr. Barry. This episode is brought to you by The Lunch and Learn Community Store, where we are living out the motto, Empower Yourself for Better Health. In The Lunch and Learn Community Store, you can get your favorite T-shirts, e-books, as well as other related products by Dr. Barry. Head over to shop.drpiersblog.com and get a chance to get 10% off your first purchase by using the coupon code empower10. Again, shop.drpiersblog.com. Live out the motto Empower Yourself for Better Health. All right, guys, so before we get into today's episode, right, like I don't want to just assume that everyone is up to date with the terminology that we're going to be talking about during this episode, right? We're talking about residents, we're talking about medical residents, whether to be first year, second year, third years, and the study that I'm actually going to be talking about went all the way up to seven years, right? So these are people who have been out of medical school and are in their training process, right? Because I, I think a lot of times we're not very familiar, especially the general public, isn't really aware that after you finish your medical school, you still have to do additional training, right? That's why, you know, a person can be in school, they say, for, you know, 11 years, right? 14 years, right? Because, yes, they can do undergrad for four, but then they got to do medical stu- medical school for four, but then they got to do the real training, right? So whether they're going to be an internist, whether they're going to be family med physician, whether they're going to be a surgeon or dermatologist, they have to do additional training. Specifically in that field, right. So that's where your your career, especially after high school, uh, in the educational world, can go from eight to eleven years, right? Because you got to spend so much time after the fact uh, to get specifically trained in the specialty you want, right? So the study we're going to be talking about today, right, uh, was done by Medscape, and it looked at the lifestyle and the happiness of residents, right? Again, from first year to uh, at least seventh year, right? And and so that's where we're at, right? We're talking to the people who will be taking care of you, and depending on where you're at, who's probably taking care of you right now, right? I, I don't think a lot of people realize like how many resident physicians are out there taking care of uh, their loved ones as we speak, right? And again, unless you you're just listening to the podcast, uh, I am a program director at Wellington Regional Medical Center of an internal medicine program. We have 18 medicine residents. I also teach some medical. I also have medical students as well, but today we're talking about residents. So we have 18 medicine residents in my program so i understand uh you know you know quite closely like what it means right you know to be experiencing lifestyle on both sides right whether when i was a resident which again wasn't too long ago right i just got out of residency in 2014 right so i've been out of residency not even out of five not even five years out of residency and now I'm a program director, right? So I get to see the the transformation of a resident who comes in, you know, the first day of their uh, post-medical uh, school training. And, you know, they don't really know anything. They're not confident to the, the third year, right? Right when they're about to graduate, right? Like I see that confidence transformation. And a lot of things happen, right? Like I tell people all the time for those who are outside of medicine, one of the biggest uh, Concerns, right? That I always have is that the amount of stress that kind of goes on during your training program, and understanding that life continues to go on while you're in this like vacuum, right? Because that's really what it is, right? When you're in medical school, when you're residency, you're in this vacuum of just learning and learning and more learning, more learning that you thought you could ever do, right? But, you know, what? if you check your Facebook, if you check your Twitter, you check your LinkedIn, like people are still, you know, living life around you, but you're kind of still in this study mode. So, and it's sometimes very difficult just kind of looking on the outside in and realizing like, hey, people are having quote unquote fun and I'm still, you know, four years after medical I'm four years after undergrad five years after undergrad, seven years after undergrad. I'm still in the quote-unquote training to try to finish my, get to my career, like even start my career. So that's, I think that's kind of where we're at, right? So I want to kind of, I want you guys to kind of get the mindset, uh, uh, the people who got surveyed uh, in this um, this Medscape's review, right? And it was, a, it was an online survey. Uh, they sent it out to about 25 different residencies, about 1,900 people responded, right? Which isn't no, too crazy. I can I can tell you I've, I've gotten some of these emails and said, ah, nope, I don't have time for 10 minutes, especially 10 minutes, maybe a long time for some folks. Right. So I got nineteen hundred people to respond to various questions on their happiness, various questions on their lifestyle. And, you know, with this podcast, you know, I, I stress the importance of mental health, right, because there's a lot of people whose mental is not stable whose foundation is not concrete, who are tasked to save lives on a day-to-day basis, right? And that's that's important for me, right? Because, again, if you're responsible for taking care of my mom, uh, my family members, my girl, like, if you're responsible for taking care of them, I want you to be in the mental uh, capacity to do so, right? And sometimes, unfortunately, right, especially when, we'll, when we're going to talk about some of these results from this study, unfortunately, uh, that's not always the case right so i want to let's let's go in the first part right so they asked what were some of the biggest challenges associated with residency and these were we're going to talk about the top three and talk about the bottom three and i'm going to kind of give you my my contention with the, or my concern i guess right so the top three biggest challenges that residents are facing today per the study um, per the survey is work-life balance right so about a third of the respondents said that the work-life balance was the biggest challenge for it right and i, I kind of alluded to that earlier when i said hey You know what? Life is happening around you, but you got so much work that has to be done. You almost don't have time to deal with it, right? You almost have to kind of shut yourself out and shut yourself away from the world just so you can get what you need to get during this uh, training program. Uh, Dealing with time pressures, right? Time management is an issue that I try to preach to my pre-meds, right? And I try to say, hey, I I know you think you do a lot of work right now, uh, but I want you to imagine all that work you did in like a semester, right? And then to have four weeks to do that same amount of work, right? Like that's that's kind of like what medical school is, and when you think about residency, it takes it up even higher notch, right? So dealing with time pressure is a big issue for residents, and then the fear of failure and making a mistake, right? Again, I jokingly say this right but I think as a physician, we are one of the few fields right that has to be correct one hundred percent of the time, or someone's life can depend on it right 100 percent of the time right so imagine going to your job right for example let's 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 think about my fast food folks right when when someone forgets to take off the cheese off my my hamburger right whatever right if they they forget to take the cheese off my hamburger right that's not a, that could be like, but it's usually not a life or death thing, right? But if I forget, if I mismanage a patient, right, like that could be someone's grandma who doesn't come home, right? If I mismanage my patient, right, that could be someone's dad who does not come home, right? That could be someone's daughter who does not come home, right? Like the the stress level associated with the decision-making, especially as a resident and as a physician in general, is so huge, Right, so I think it, it's we have to really kind of hit home and make sure we understand the the level of importance that we're we're talking here, right? If you make a mistake, someone dies, right? That's that's a reality for a lot of medicine residents, lot especially medicine, right? But just residents in general, right? If you make a mistake, someone can die, and and that's that's a that's a heavy burden, right? And we got about fifteen percent of those uh, who answered the survey thought uh, the fear of failure was a big issue for them. So I'm going to talk about the bottom three, right? Where were some issues that, you know, yeah, it's an issue, but none of that I'm really stressing, like, at this point. Uh, number one, dealing with patient death, right? Like, and I hate to say that, I, I'm, it's crazy to me to think that dealing with death is low, right? And so low, only 2% of the people thought it was an issue, right? So think about that, right? And again, I, I talk to my friends all the time. Uh, And I've talked to people online who talk about just how physicians are able to kind of turn it on and turn it off when it comes to death. And sometimes we forget to turn it on. Sometimes we forget to turn it off. Right? Sometimes uh, we're so, you know, unbartered. I hate to say it like that, but we're so unbartered by death, right? That it, it even bleeds into your personal life, right? So even in your personal life, when death is happening, you're like okay you know it, it was for the better right like it's like we're, we've just so casually accepted death that uh only two percent of the people only two percent of these residents feel like that's even an a issue that they gotta deal with right like i said the the time pressures right are much more of a concern for them than dealing with a patient's death right like and that's just almost mind uh boggling to me i was in our uh, private Facebook group and again if you want to join is drpierre's blog.com slash community. I was in a private Facebook group and I you know I posted uh one of the graphics from the survey and I said wow look at this like only two percent of people think death is an actual issue. All right and again I had a couple of my physician friends you know they they say yeah I agree because they say hey you know we just kinda get used to it. Uh we kinda you know go through the fire and then after a while death does not bother us, right? So, you know, again, and, again, you know, I'm taken aback, right, because, I, again, I would think, right, I would think a person dying, right, uh, again, like, especially when I think about if the fear of failure is in your top three, right, remember, if you fail, someone can die, so essentially they're saying, like, that fear of, you know, making a mistake is a huge issue for me, but if they die, eh, Right. Like, that, like that's kind of what they're kind of they're kind of washing their hands. Right. They're saying, yes, I'm really scared to make that mistake. Right. Like and in medicine. Right. We, we talk about this a lot when we talk about defensive medicine. Right. Where we're ordering a whole bunch of B.S. tests. Right. Not because we think the test is going to be positive. Right. We ordered this B.S. test because we don't want to get sued later on. Right. We don't want to make a mistake and forget something. We, wanna, we don't want to make a mistake and, you know, miss something that we could have missed. Right. But what it shows with this survey, right, and I think this is telling, especially after they graduate, that after we make the mistake, if we make it, we're like, "Oh well, you know, I'm sorry, sorry, Grandma, you know, Joe's not going to be here, right like that's that's kind of like how like yeah, then I was again, I was shocked right when I saw how low the deaf aspect of it, right. Um, your relationship with your attendings, which is in, in the medical speak, is like your supervisors, right? Like when you're a medicine resident, right? Again, I like to talk about medicine. Or when you're a medicine resident, and any resident has this, right? But when you're a resident, you have those who already went through residency, already got birth certified, and they're kind of like your supervisors, right? So they're, we call those attending physicians. So when you're a resident, you know, the relationship between you and your attending physician doesn't really raise a blip as far as concern in a lot of these uh, respondents uh, uh, course, right? And then dealing with stress, right? And uh, I have I have some uh, licensed mental health therapists in uh, the private Facebook group. And, you know, so they ask, they're like, well, you, do, you, do you guys get any type of emotional type training or anything that goes on? And I'm like, no, All right? Like, again, we're just, I think, used to dealing with it. We're just used to uh, the understanding that death is going to come, that it doesn't even register that, that it's actually not a normal thing, right? Like it doesn't even register to us because, uh, you know, so my attending told me like, hey, you could do everything you can and your patient's still going to die. And once you accept that, you'll be a better physician, right? Again, that was the exact phrase I got from my attendings when I was a resident, right? Like you could do all that you want and someone could still die, right? So again, that's you know, that's a big thing right so again those that was just the the, the first issue right associated with uh, this survey which I thought was a big issue right I, again we're we're scared to make that mistake but if we make that mistake and someone dies we're like okay all right, on to the, on to the next patient let me go uh, admit somebody else um bullying was a concern for a lot of residents and uh the top three uh people who tend to bully uh attendees again we talked about the attending physician right again even though they don't their relationship with the attending physicians isn't that big of an issue. The same people said that uh, when it comes to bullying, their attendings are usually the biggest culprit. Number two is funny, right? Because number two, for sure, I would have thought would have been other residents, right? So if your attendings are the one bullying you, right, and that's number one, right? I would have figured number two would have been other residents, right? But number two is actually nurses, Right. And I'll tell my little personal story. Right. First of all, the nurses following me, the nurses who uh, listen to the podcast, please, please. I love all you guys. Right. This is not a slight against the nurses. Right. But some of y'all can be very mean. Some of y'all can be very mean to residents, right? And I understand, you know, you guys go through every year where you go through a whole new regime change every year, where you gotta uh, relearn new names, relearn uh, new teaching styles, relearn and try to teach uh, these these medical these former medical students, right? Who again, who were just medical students like a month ago, and now they're attending, now they're resident physicians, right? And you gotta like go through their ups and downs with them, right? I know that can be frustrating, but. In this survey, you guys are listed number two as the biggest bullies in a hospital. Right, I thought it was funny, but like I'm, I'm, I know there's some truth to it. Especially my ICU nurses. Right, again, uh, I love the nurses. Right, Let me put that disclaimer here. Doctor Barry loves the nurses, uh, but you guys can be bullies. And, and then number three were other residents, especially senior residents. Right, so again, uh, attendings, nurses, and other residents uh, were the top three concerns when it comes to bullying as a resident. Um number so the next next uh segment asked about depression thirty three percent of residents surveyed uh felt depression at some time uh throughout their residency. Ten percent of those again, this is outside of 33 percent right so thirty three percent felt sometimes I'm dealing with pressure throughout my residency. 10% felt they they dealt with depression the whole time, right? The whole time they were in residency, they felt depressed. With t- 10% of respondents feeling that having thoughts about suicide, right? Or even attempting, right? So there was a there was a the question asked uh was there thoughts about suicide or uh, attempts of at suicide, right? So that was like one kind of bundled question, right? And 10% of the respondents again where we had 1900 people 10% of have thought about suicide or, or have attempted it at one point, right? And um, that's that's an issue, right? Like, I think that, you know, that really kind of plays back into that mental health and that plays back into that first question uh, that my, the therapist asked in the group, right? Where they say, like, don't you guys get any type of training in the, the emotional intelligence, right? Don't you guys get any type of training in just, like, the therapy in general, what that means? And the answer is no. Right, and again, I could just speak for my program, but that is something that you know. Once you know, once she brought that up, I said, you know what, I'm I need to look into this because this this is going to be important uh, moving forward. Um, we talked about uh, the suggestions right on uh, avoiding burnout, right? Like they asked them, like, well, because burnout is a very real thing right now, and burnout used to be this issue that we dealt with in the older physician population. Right. where we, you know, after, you know, they turn 50 and 60 and they're like, you know, I'm done. I'm done with medicine. But we're getting much younger physicians talking about burnout at such a higher rate that there's a big concern. Right. Like there's already a physician shortage. Right. There's already a shortage of physicians here in the United States. Right. And you have more and more younger physicians saying, you know what, I'm not going to be doing this for 40 years right? I'm not going to be doing this for 50 years, right? Like, I'm not going to be doing this till I'm 70, right? You have physicians who are getting out of medical school, getting out of residency, and within five and ten years, they're like, I'm done, right? Like, so, and, and again, I, I, I know I'm a, I'm a different case, right? Like, I knew I wanted to be a physician probably since I was in elementary school, right? So, that's what, like, eight, nine years old, right? Eight, nine years old, right? I'm 35 right now. So, so imagine, like, Knowing I want to be a physician since the age of nine, right? And when I get twenty six years, 25, 26 years down the line, I become said physician. And then in the ten years, I'm like, or in five years, I'm like, yeah, you know what? That's not for me. Or you know what? This this isn't what I thought it would be. I'm I'm out of here, right? Like that's tough, right? Because again, I, I talk about my my. I've talked about it before the the lost decade. I, I think I wrote a blog about it where my twenties. I, I don't I didn't do anything during my twenties, right? Like my like, for example, the significant "quote unquote" birthdays, right? Like twenty one, twenty five. I know exactly what I was doing, right? My birthday is in December, right? So we usually have final exams at, around that time, right? So twenty first birthday, I was studying for organic chemistry. Twenty fifth birthday, I think I was studying for like uh, some type of some other chemistry or physiology anatomy test, right? Like, th- like that's my highlight of my twenties, right? Studying for a final exam. I, I don't remember any other stuff uh, during my twenties, right? I was in school. Um, I, I graduated high school, 18, um, from 18 to about 22, 23, I was in, uh, undergrad, 23 to like 27 or 28, I think I was in, uh, medical school, and then from 27 and 30, I was in. Yeah, so like you know, the, the time was gone. Right, that decade's out of there. Right, like I'm trying to play catch up on the fun I should have had there in my 20s, because I was all I was doing is busy studying. Right, so we have burnout is very real uh, for a lot of resident physicians. Right, and we're even starting to see that same type of pattern even trickle back down to the medical students. Right, so sooner or later, right, you're going to have such a higher turnover for our physician workforce that we're going to be in trouble right so again something to think about right so they said what can we do right what What are some suggestions to try to uh, mitigate some of these issues right one was you know having manageable work schedules right again we talked about this work-life balance right where they felt that they had to do too much work and they couldn't celebrate enough life uh outside of work right so and so that was a big stressor for them um Sufficient compensation, right? Like this is big. This is big, and it's kind of funny to me too, right? Because my residents uh probably talk about it, you know, once a month. For like, hey, can we get paid more? Trust me, I understand, right? Like, you know, you've been especially most medical students don't work uh, during medical school, right? So they've they spent a lot of time not making a lot of money, borrowing a lot of money, and when they become a resident, right, they become a resident and they get paid. It's not like they don't get paid, right? And. You have to remember, especially in, and I tell my friends, right, in the, the medical world, the, the cost, right, cost is such a different conversation with them, right? Like, if I had cost discussions, right, with people outside of medicine, right, they would look at me crazy. So, you know, you're your resident, I'm in South Florida, right, so I think my residents get paid, like, 48 for the first year, 50 for the second year, and I think 52 for their third year, right? And for a majority of Americans, that's a that's a good, healthy salary, right? But for the residents, because when you factor in all of the hours that they work, it's like less than 10 bucks an hour. Right. So, again, these guys are by by law. I can work them 80 hours a week. Right. So I can work them 80 hours a week and they make like 48 a year. Right. And the cost of living is I'm in South Florida. So the cost of living is crazy high. So, you know, if they say, Man, we just got paid more. Right. So we didn't necessarily have to worry about bills while we're trying to do our training right that'd be much better right so that's that's an issue that's a concern and uh they some, some of them talked about reasonable caseloads right so they this is again that time management where you know they may have a lot of patients a lot of cases a lot of things that they may have to do uh during that short time frame right so if they had some reasonable caseloads they may be able to you know be a little bit less stressed and you know have to worry about burnout a little bit less right and I think the, the, the big, uh, big one, right, which I thought was important, right, was self-doubt. right? This was, this was actually, you know, a chart among itself, right? Almost 50 percent of the people doubt their ability. And as a resident physician, your confidence is what will take you to the next level, right. And 50 percent of residents at some time during our residency really doubted their ability to be a good resident physician. Now, hopefully, in the the, the the plan, right, is by the time they become a third year and they're about to graduate, or the sixth year and they're about to grad, by the time they're about to finish residency, we hope that jitter is out of there. And but it's important to understand, like this is a real feeling that they go through, right? Again, remember, and I'm really trying to start, especially for my lunch and learn listeners, right? Because uh, especially in this time of age, if you go to work in a hospital, you're likely going to be taking, depending on, unless your hospital's in like you know this. Pudunk Town, right? Um, You're likely going to be taken care of by a resident, right? Like, graduate medical education is becoming a huge thing, right? And I can go on my little soapbox in a little bit, right? But it's a very profitable thing for these hospitals, right? But we can discuss that later. Like, graduate medical education has become a huge thing. So you're having more and more hospitals that are opening up residencies within their hospital, right? So their patients, the majority of patients are being taken care of by a resident physician, right? Like it's a, it's a real thing is happening, right? So the likelihood that you can go with, uh, with during your health, like uh, atmosphere, right? And not run into a resident one way or the other is kind of low, depending on where you're at, right? So again, that's something to think about. And again, a lot of these people are experiencing this self-doubt that we hope uh, gets kind of taken care of before uh, they finish their residency. And the um, so I think, you know, it's not all gloom, right? They asked, what is the most rewarding aspect of residency, right? Or what, what would you want to experience more? Clinical knowledge, right? The, the ability to learn was a very rewarding thing for residents, right? And they love it, right? And again, uh, as a resident, again, you're, especially for my first years, right? You were just a medical student a couple months ago. And now you're a resident, now you're a physician, now you're in charge of taking care of someone's grandma, granddad, son, daughter, mom. Like you're in charge of taking care of someone's family's loved one. And it's a rewarding thing to understand that you're are going to help that person, right, uh, walk out the hospital, right? You are going to help that person have that best surgery, right? You are going to help that person, you know, find the right medication, diagnose the right test on, like, you are going to be responsible for that, right? And that's a very rewarding thing for physicians. Uh, another thing, they gain that experience, right? Again, there's, 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 there's not too many jobs that, you know, you'll have this very on-the-field on the experience where they're also paying you as well, too right so it's they're, They you get the game spirit and you get paid a little bit it's not a lot but you do get paid and i think the most important thing especially for me is the gratitude that you get from your patients right patients absolutely love residents because residents i i'll agree right tend to take a little bit more time with them right and it's because you know they're still trying to learn right so they want to know what questions they should ask, what shouldn't ask, right? They want to know nitty-gritty everything. And if you have, if you take care of medical students, right? If you, you know, if you supervise medical students, uh, they love medical students even more because medical students ask a million questions. Sometimes they ask too many questions, right? And I, you know, I have to, you know, educate them on the best way to, you know, ask your questions be efficient. But, you know, the patients love when people spend time with them and resident physicians tend to spend a lot of time with their patients, right? They, again, they're, as a, I'm a hospitalist, right? In the, the, the uh, I, I guess I would say a non-traditional sense because I'm the type of hospitalist that I may see you in the morning, but I may not leave that hospital the whole day, right? So there's a chance you may see me later on that day, but there's a lot of hospitals that, Hey, I see you early in that morning and I'm not seeing you till tomorrow, right? So, but as a resident, residents, they're all day, all day. So, you know, they're, they're constantly popping in, popping out, um, to try to make sure that patient is well taken care of. So definitely, definitely, as, you know, something to look forward to, you know, as a resident, right? That gratitude that you get from your your patients, right? Whether the result be good or bad, right? Again, I've had results that didn't end in the best of light, right? But the family was so appreciative of the amount of work that I put in to try to take care of the love of them, right? like they love me all the same, right? So again, it's just, it's kind of that catch one too, right? Like, yes, we want to have a successful, you know, turn of events every time a patient walks in the hospital, but that's not always the case. And because that's always the case, you know, being able to still get that gratitude from that family saying, hey, you did everything you can, thank you, uh, is very rewarding, right? So again, I, I think especially with, again, that's, you know, that's the, those were some of the biggest points from this survey, right? But, I, you know, I try to stress to, you know, the learn lunch lunch community, uh, folks that you know are starting to empower themselves with better health, starting to go to the doctor, starting to go to the gym, starting to you know look at what they're eating right. Um, I-, I want you guys to uh, f- you know feel empowered when you go and you- you're being taken care of by these physicians right and because remember they're physicians but they're learning too right I tell people all the time I tell my residents all the time the reason why, I didn't do family medicine or, like, OB or something, right? It's because when I was a medical student, I used to always get kicked out of the rooms, right? They were like, oh, he's a student? No, kick him out of the room. I don't want him in the room, right? And it it, it, it almost, like, it was like a stab in the heart, right? Like, for like, oh, okay, all right, no problem. So I went into internal medicine, right? Why? So I could avoid dealing with women's health, right? So I don't do, like, you ask me, I don't do none of that women. Like, I take care of women, of course, right? But, like, women's health, you know, that ob guy type questions and stuff like that, that's not me right, because, like, I got kicked out of the room so often that I made it a point when I was going to finish medical school that I was not going to have to take care of them, right, and that, that was, like, my, that's that was my get back, like, hey, you kicked me out the rooms, I'm not going to take care of you, right, I'm going into internal medicine, right, and for those who don't know internal medicine, uh, we, ne- we really don't be dealing with women's health like that, I can tell you, as a resident, I did one month of women's health as an intern, and that was it, and even, and funny, even when I was a resident, they were still kicking me out the room, right. They were kicking me out of the rooms when I was a medical student. They kicked me out of the room when I was resident, and they just confirmed that I don't need to be dealing with women's health and doing pap smears and all that. Nah. Keep keep that for my family medicine, folks, right? Like, that's what, or about OBs, like, that's that's what they're there for. Right. So uh, when when next time, right. And I want you to think, you know, next time you're in the hospital, next time you're in your doctor's office and you see medical students or you see residents. Right. Like, you know, don't just kick them out the room. Right. They need to learn as well, because, again, they got a lot of again. I, we just talked about it. They got a lot of stuff going on. Right. So give them a chance to learn. Give them that chance to, you know, give back. Right. Because that's what they're here. there for. they want to give back uh, to the community. Right. So they want to be able to take care of you. Right. So let them take care of you. Let them ask all the questions I know it seems like a lot I know your time is busy but you know, show, and show them that gratitude. Say, hey, you know what? I was listening to Doctor Barry's podcast, and he said, you know what? You guys are going through a lot as a resident, so you know, take your time, uh, don't feel rushed, and uh, I'm here for you, right? Like that's that's if you, if you get anything from th- this week's podcast, right, is that Doctor Barry wants you to show love to the medical students and residents who are at your doctor's offices, who are in your hospital. Like show love to them because they got a lot of stuff going on, and they're still taking care of you, right? For at the I don't want to say at the kindness of heart, they're taking care because they got to, right? But they're, they're doing all of their effort and they're allowing life to kind of happen around them, right, to make sure that they put that focus on you. And that's the end of this week's episode. You guys have a great and blessed day. I'm going to see you guys next week. Thank you for getting to the end of the show. I am your host, Dr. Barry Pierre, host of The Lunch with Dr. Barry. And this is another amazing episode that we like to bring to you week after week on betterment of empowering yourself for better health today. If you have not had a chance, please go ahead and subscribe to the show if this is your first time listening. If you already listen and you've already subscribed, make sure to leave me a five star review because your support is absolutely important in keeping the show moving as it is and if you have not had a chance and you want to check out today's show notes always head over to lunchlearnpod.com that is lunchlearnpod all in one word.com and you can get the access to the show notes for every single episode but especially the one you just listened to and i'm gonna see you guys next week you guys be blessed Bye.